Social on the Sidelines, we back. It is episode 21, my favorite number. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Amara Baptist. We are presented by Front Office Sports with episodes brought to you by, I'm not going to let Amara sing it, Team Infographics. <laughs> they have fire content for any of your digital wow. needs. Where can you find them at, Amara? <laughs> yeah wow you just cut me off like that was my whole intro ain't nobody trying to hear your voice Chief. wow okay okay you can find them on twitter at team infographs or you can find them on the internet at teaminfographics.com. and for the record let the record show they liked the intro i have it in writing so somebody hacked their account when they tweeted at us please okay um, that's fair that's fair so this is the post-NBA trade deadline slash pre-NBA All-Star episode of Social on the Sidelines. It was an insane NBA yeah. trade deadline. The NBA remains to be undefeated and the best league in all of sports in the entire world. So mm -hmm. shout out for that. Uh, Amara's team actually made my favorite trade of the entire NBA trade deadline, and that was to trade for my main man, one of my good friends, Scal Labissier, and now he better get minutes or I'm going to come for you, Amara, because if not, I'm going to be real mad. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Labissier, yeah. Wow, I've been butchering it to my How'd you say it? No, no, now you got to say it to the people. Labissier? That's, that's how most people would say it, but... Okay. Labissier. And also okay. tell your P, P, tell your PA announcer if he ever starts in a game to say he's from Haiti, not from Kentucky. Correct. Because yeah, a lot of a lot of people do the college thing, and my guy Scalo here is very prideful of Haiti being from Haiti, and he has one of the coolest stories in the NBA. Not that I'm trying to make this whole podcast about Scal, but I think we should. My favorite moment in my career was getting to go to Haiti with Scal um, and seeing where he grew up at. That was the first time he went back after the earthquake. For anyone listening here, please go look up his story. He has one of the most inspirational athlete stories there are, and he's one of the nicest people there is. And now he gets to work with Amara, so it's all good. I'm super excited. I literally, when I got the Woj bomb tweet um, that we are trading for him, I was like yelling. I was so excited. And my coworkers were like, why are you this excited? And I was like, because he is the best human. I only know him through you, but he's such a good dude. So yeah, trade deadline was crazy. And it, you know, I don't, it's kind of a weird time because you're kind of on call, like at the yeah. drop of a hat, like Super Bowl Sunday, we traded for Rodney Hood. And, um, you know, the, the guys were in practice and Woj tweeted it and we were just like, okay, guess that's happening. And, you know, it, it's, I totally understand it's a business. I totally get that. But I mean, seeing these guys who just have to completely uproot their lives now, um, and just at the drop of a hat is, you know, it's, they're humans. It's, it's a right. tough tough business and you know everyone says oh they're rich they'll deal with it but i disagree strongly yeah. with that sentiment i if if you're one of those people that are like ah they make millions of dollars or they're rich or they get to play basketball for a living please i don't don't ever at or amara yeah, same. because these people yes sure they they make money but they've 
also dedicated their entire lives to working to get to this point. They have to, as Amara said, leave their families, leave their friends, continually move throughout the offseason, keep their body in the best shape. They don't yep. get movie nights in the summer eating popcorn and eating ice cream after losses like I do. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> literally, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I have been, like, I don't know what it is about the last two weeks, but like we've we're like four or five players down in terms of injuries, and now we're on a relatively bad losing streak. And I've just been going in on ice cream, and I go to yeah. the gym until 1:30 a.m. afterwards to burn off the ice cream, but it's too late because I'm stressed out that we lost. Uh, yep. Which is besides the point. But and we I do just wanna... do the social media. <laughs> And we just, we, we don't even play. If I was a player, if I was Scal or any of these people, and I looked at my mentions after playing yeah. in a professional basketball game, I, I don't know what, I, I would delete my Twitter. Like, no, I'm already stressed out enough looking at team mentions, player mentions. If somebody makes no. one play, people, be nicer to understand that they are human beings. That is a great point. And there was, I think it was the Kevin Durant media rant that I was yeah. like, you know what? Go, Kevin. I agree. I think that, you know, people uh, take these players for granted and it's very clickbaity culture. Like, we all know that. Um, And like, these dudes are human. They cry, they laugh, they, you know, whatever, do everything we do. So, yeah, moral of this podcast is be nicer to people. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I did want to get to before we reveal who our podcast guest is today and get into that was you, you talked a little bit about the trade deadline and kind of being on call. Talk about when a trade goes down or when the Rodney Hood trade went down. How does that work for you? Are you in coordination with somebody else? Are you creating the graphic? Are you talking to the your PR manager? Or how to, for people that don't aren't in the industry, give us the layman's rundown of a trade in the NBA. Yes. Yeah, so from the social perspective. So Super Bowl Sunday, we were at the practice facility. I got the Woj notification. I actually informed PR that that had happened. The players <laughs> were still in the practice facility practicing. So they found out after the fact. Um, and, you know, immediately you're just like, okay, so who, you know, we need to get graphics. We need to get jersey swaps for the player that's coming in. Um, one of the guys that got traded is Nick Stauskas, who, uh, was just so awesome on social media. So I was like, okay, what can we do for him? Let's make him a video compilation of, you know, silly things he did before the game. And I talked to PR and, you know, they said, okay, the trade's going to be finalized tomorrow. So we have some, we have a little bit of space to kind of get our bearings um, and just talk to our graphic designers. And, you know, they, everyone kind of knows to be, you know, to not go to the mountains for three hours with no service. Like it's kind of a known thing through that period that, you know, things might go down and you may need to work that night. So, you know, once everyone's on the same page, it's a little bit easier, but it's when it happens, you're dealing with like the emotion of it at first. And then you're like, okay, I got to get to work. You know, what is X, Y, Z? So it was, yeah, it was interesting. And then obviously like trade deadline when, excuse my French, like shit really hits the fan that last couple hours. <laughs> How dare you swear um, <laughs> on this podcast tomorrow? <laughs> um, that's when you're like, okay, I cannot leave my computer. I cannot leave my phone because, you know, two hours left to the trade deadline. And, and this trade deadline was especially insane around yeah. the league. I was like, 
Shout out Mark. Mark Gasol is going to Toronto, man. Ah. He's he are you guys playing them again? Is he gonna get to call yeah. you Annie in person? Uh Amanda, thank you very Amanda, much. Amanda, Annie, and, same thing. Uh yes, we actually go there in like two weeks. So oh. gonna get to see him. It's gonna oh. be weird, but yeah. That is weird. Y'all both moved on. I know, right? But um, yeah, no, it's a it's a fun time, I guess, in quotes, but it's it definitely a good experience. Yeah, and then on the on the All Star front, um, it's kind of the same thing. I, I didn't have anything on the trade deadline, but we did have All Star announcement with Cat making it, and so pretty much weeks ahead of time, we knew there was a possibility for both Derrick Rose and Carl Anthony Towns to make the All Star game. So coordinated graphics for that, had that ready to go. Coincidentally, Carl or Kat had us out, the staff out to a movie during the announcement. He wasn't even watching it. And then somebody told him during the movie that he made it. Um, so he went outside with his family. It was a really cool moment. And That was um, cool. Yeah. And he, he reacted to it. It was a really good moment on social. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how All-Star stuff goes. And this will be my first time in my career. I will not be at All-Star because I'm going to be at Disney. I think I've said that like eight times. You uh, did, Yes. <laughs> Let me live. I'm excited about Disney. God, something about me... like virgin, virgin daiquiris, strawberry or daiquiris. Yes, <laughs> virgin strawberry daiquiris. Your boy's gonna be chilling while Cat wins MVP. Uh, no, right, I, I'll be back before. <laughs> uh, cool. So the one other thing that I saw on my own Twitter feed, literally five years ago, uh, I tweeted at the Timberwolves. They have like a social media contest. And I won this contest to take over the account from a fan perspective. Like it was a bunch of us in a suite and we tweeted the game and they retweeted us. And I had been applying to the Timberwolves for like years up to that point. Um, and I didn't get the job, but I won this contest. And then a few months later, I ended up getting my first job in social media sports. And oh, uh, that's awesome. it, was just, it was just cool to reflect and be like, man, that was literally five years ago. And I literally shot my shot tweeting something. Um, so yeah, for everyone that needs a little bit of extra motivation or push or have applied to a million jobs in sports, apply to the millionth and first because yeah, totally. it could be the one. It could be the one. And one other thing I wanted to note before we get into the guest is I will be at Front Office Sports' digital media huddle at Bleach Report in New York City. We're going to have a live episode of Social on the Sidelines. Uh, with Brian Graham from Bleacher Report. So I'm really excited for that. If you guys haven't already, um, try to make it out there. Uh, we will put the ticket links. Um, they're actually on Front Office Sports' Twitter. So we don't even have to do anything. You just go and look at it or on Front Office Sports' website um, and try to make it out there because it should be pretty cool. But I won't be there. So why are you you'll the probably way cry you are? about that. Why are you the way you are? Definitely go and support social on the sidelines amara had the opportunity and she just bailed on me that's it's crazy we're in new york like the day before but we're on a, a red eye to philly so you know didn't work out this time but um uh, on today's episode yes. i'm super excited to uh talk to my friend kayla knapp who uh, does handles the social media content and strategy for the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns. And it was a really good conversation. She, it's, she's our first MLS guest, which is long overdue, like you said. 
Um, yeah. But great conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. She had a lot of insight in terms of working at Fox Sports, as you did, but specifically on the soccer side and then going into working on the team side um, at the Timbers and the Thorns. And then she also was obviously able to work for both the Timbers and the Thorns, a men's league and a women's league, and talked about what it's like to do that and control both of those uh, representation and uh, fan bases in the women's league compared to the men's league. Uh, so really good conversation, had great advice for people as well. So um, without further ado, we will hop into it. Thanks for listening so far. What is up, everyone? It is Social on the Sidelines, episode 21, joined by my co-host, Amara Baptist, and our friend slash colleague, Kayla Knapp from the Portland Timbers MLS, uh, first MLS guest. Thanks for coming on, Kayla. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. This is big. I'm I'm excited to be your I'm excited to be your first MLS guest. It is long overdue. We should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> I actually was thinking earlier this week when Amara messaged me about it. I was like, I wonder why she hasn't invited me on her podcast yet. <laughs> uh... And then you texted me like two hours later, so it was perfect. You well, just, well, if you would have thought that months ago, we would have. We would have never been this person. I know. I thought it into existence. I need those, I need those type of powers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so to get started, as we start every episode, um, give us a little bit of background into how you got to where you are today, where your start in social began, um, and, and what it's like working at the Portland Timbers and, and also the MLS. Yeah, so I uh, my journey started in Ithaca, New York, where I went to college. Uh, I went to Ithaca College. I studied journalism, but also did a lot of digital media, video production, audio production. Kind of, I had my hands in everything, which was has been super helpful now um, in my social career. Uh, and I, after graduation, I moved out to Los Angeles uh, in search of the sun and a job in sports. Uh, after a couple of years, I ended up at Fox Sports Digital, working specifically at Fox Soccer. Uh, my initial role there was just working as a kind of dot-com editor for foxsoccer.com. But my first big foray into social was there uh, the first few months. You know, we had hired, well, when I came in, they had hired an outside uh, company to run all, all their social media, you know, the Facebook page and the Twitter page. And I did not think they were doing a very good job, and I thought we were paying them way too much money to do it. So I put a proposal together for my boss at the time and told him, I was like, hey, you know, we can do this in-house for, you know, cheaper, make me a full-time employee, basically, and um, and we can do it better. And he took about a month or so to kind of convince him, and eventually my role expanded into running uh, all of our social media. And so this was in 2012 and 13 when that kind of all went down. And then my role at Fox Soccer expanded. I was there for five years and I moved. I kind of had my hand in everything eventually, sort of like I did in college and I did dot-com stuff. I did social. Uh, and then my main role kind of transitioned to being a digital video producer, um, but also running all the social for the video side of things and hiring out. We you know, kind of hired out a social media team for the dot-com side and I handled the video side. And then in 2017, 
um, actually kind of through a connection through Amara, uh, I was reached out to by the Portland Timbers and the Portland Thorns, the, our NWSL women's professional team. And they wanted me to come in and basically give their, you know, revamp everything that they did top to bottom on social media. They didn't really have, they had never hired a senior level person. They had never really had much of a strategy at all. It was just kind of, uh, you know, they had a lot of younger, like 22, 23 people right out of school running, running what they were doing. And so they really were wanting to take it seriously because uh, we all obviously know how important social media is today when it comes to branding, marketing, sponsorship, you know, everything. And after a few weeks of, of chatting through and, and deciding whether I wanted to move my entire life from L.A. to Portland, uh, I, I really couldn't turn down a chance to basically take over the voice, the strategy for this pretty incredible brand with the Timbers and the Thorns. And so in May of 2017, I moved up to Portland and I've been there ever since. Rip so City, the... let's go! First of all, <laughs> what what is going on here? You guys have like Amara got it hooked up in Portland. Now Amara just stole one of my best friends and brought him to Portland. Like what is happening? Right so now? it's crazy because I... so Kayla and I met at Fox Sports in, man, 2015, maybe? 20, yeah, it must have been 2015. Yeah, but but we knew of each other from Twitter before yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Like, we didn't meet in person, but, like, we t we had tweeted Yeah, and, and then, so we met officially at Fox and worked together for, like, six months. And then I got the job in Memphis. And then um, my yeah. boss in Memphis at the time was like, oh, yeah, the, the do you know anybody that would want to do um, – social for a soccer team and she was the first person i thought of it's just funny how now we're in portland together <laughs> after all these years and now, i know and now and now you're <laughs> here it's kind of crazy <laughs> but also amazing yes. sounds like it uh so yeah. you have except for we never we never see each other because our schedules are so yeah different. yes it'd be like that it'd be <laughs> like that we're going forth <laughs> all right so kayla you come from having the perspective of working on uh, soccer at Fox Sports, and now you're on the team side of things. Talk a little bit about the pros and cons to each of those um, and the differences overall in terms of uh, working on those two sides of things. Yeah, it's been definitely an interesting transition from the media side to the team side. Like I said, like I studied journalism, um, wanted to work in news, and working in sports was definitely a dream dream come true for me. My dad's from England. So soccer is, has been a part of my life as long as, you know, I can remember. And after about, you know, five years at Fox Sports, I, I kind of just, for me, what's, what's important for me is storytelling. And I felt like working on the media side of things. Yeah, we were telling stories, but we were just regurgitating like news that we found from other places. So like we're retelling the stories that other clubs, you know, other soccer clubs in the world are already telling originally. And I really wanted to, I had, even before the Timbers and the Thorns reached out, I had wanted to move to the team side and I had kind of looked into positions for, I don't know, about maybe like six, eight months, um, not super hard, but was exploring that option. And so that's part of why when the, you know, when they came along and, and reached out to me, I was really excited about it. And I mean, the biggest difference for me is just having the access to, you know, to the players, to the team, to the fans, to the community where it's it's a direct line you're not going through some you know another it's just you to them it's not you to the club to tell the story and then um i, I guess 
I don't honestly, I don't really miss that much about the news side of things. The, I would say the biggest difference and maybe something that I miss a little bit is that I was so well versed in global soccer because I had to pay attention to everything, which was awesome. You know, I was watching every Champions League game. I was, you know, watching Liga MX. I, I was obviously watching MLS. I was able to have a broader scope of soccer knowledge because that was what was required for my job. And so moving to the team side, you know, your focus is on your teams. And for me, it's on the Timbers, it's on the Thorns. Um, and that's, it's a, it's a much narrower focus, but from the storytelling side of things, that's a lot more fun for me. I, I really enjoy kind of the narrow scope of things and being able to dive deeper into stories instead of feeling like we're just scratching the surface on talking about our players or talking about our fans and, and the community. So that's kind of the biggest difference for me is, is the scope of, of what we're covering when we're, you know, creating content or talking on social media. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, so obviously, you know, when a big reason why they wanted you to come on was because like you said, they wanted to make a name for themselves, um, in the digital space. So kind of walk us through, um, your like first order of business and how you kind of started, uh, that trend to really make a name for the Timbers and the Thorns on digital. Yeah, I mean, on, you know, on the social side, we had a lot of accounts up and running, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all that, but there wasn't really a concrete voice for for any of it. You know, it was very PR, it was very stiff, and the club really wanted to to move away from that. And the the very first thing I did once after I announced that I was coming to Portland was I, you know, reached out to people that were super to fans in the community that were super involved with the team that wanted to you know help me learn about the club because I, you know i watched mls i knew about the timbers i knew about the timbers army and timber joey and the log slabs and all of it and i, I did i knew about the thorns as well um but i i felt like it, it was super important for me to understand the fans understand their wants and their needs but also their traditions and their inside jokes and you know i mean there's there's so much learning for me in the first six months, kind of across the board to be able to craft what I felt like was the right voice for both teams. Because, you know, the, in the, for women's soccer and men's soccer, you know, like the voices are different, the way teams run social are different. So it wasn't just creating the Timbers voice, it was the Thorns too, and figuring out what, what kind of worked and, and what, how we wanted to not only represent ourselves as a club, but how we want to represent the fans and the community and how we want to engage with them. And so I had coffee, I went to happy hour, like I met with people and just talked to them about the team. And that was so important for me to really be able to feel like I was capturing the community properly and how we were, you know, engaging with them, engaging with the rest of the league and other teams as well. So that was like, that was my absolute first order of business. Um, and my, and kind of right alongside that was also getting to know the players on the team. Cause I came in in May, which was basically halfway through the season in 2017. So I kind of had to jump right in. I mean, I remember live tweeting my first game. I, I like studied the whole night, you know, the roster the whole night before I made sure I was getting all the spellings right because I didn't, I obviously knew about the team, but I didn't know it on that deep level yet. So those were kind of my first two things I did when I, before I even got here, I was studying. And then when I got here, I was just getting together with the fans and, and understanding the community. Scale. So uh, another part that's obviously unique to your job and actually similar to mine is that you work with both leagues and you work with the Thorns as well as the Timbers. And coincidentally enough, I just looked, 
and the Thorns and the Lynx had the same amount of followers, which is besides the uh, point. But really? I just wanted to, <laughs> yes. Um, but I just wanted to ask you about working with both of those teams. What are nuances to um, how you go about the strategy for the Thorns rather than the Timbers? Um, and are there, you know, substantial differences in, in how you go about the social and, and digital strategy for both of those teams? Yeah, so I would say there's not a a massive substantial difference because it is we are one club, we have the same owner and that that also that that one like hashtag one club mentality has been something that we've been really trying to drive home since I got here and and that's been super important to connecting kind of the the two sides of the club. You know, one thing I found really interesting when I came here was that our overlap in season ticket holders for Timbers and Thorns um is actually not as high as I expected it to be. It's it's about, it's like 25 to 30% in the overlap. So it really is two very separate fan bases um, that, that are consuming the content and coming to games. The biggest difference that I've noticed and is is when it comes to women's soccer, um, and I'm sure that you see this with the links and, and women's sports in general, the coverage just isn't where it's at on the men's side. Like that's just the mm-hmm. reality. And our fans on the Thorn side of things, no matter what we put out, they will, they engage with it like crazy. They digest it. it I mean, they, they take in every single thing that we post, which is amazing. Um, and on the Timber side, there's a little bit more with some of our stuff, like it's a little bit more selling it to people and making them want to click. Whereas on the Thorn side, in some ways, it's a little bit easier because they just, they 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 can't get enough of it because there just isn't as much coverage as there is on on the men's side of things. That I just found that difference to be, you know, we have probably three times as many Timbers followers across our platforms as we do Thorns, but the the Thorns engagement numbers are way higher, which was a, a little surprising, but also kind of makes sense when you look at the grand scheme of things. Um, but one of the one of the challenges that I have found on the on the women's side of the game in general is that because the NWSL is, you know, this is the third women's professional league in, that, you know, has tried to make it in the U.S. The first two came and went in three seasons or less. Um, and we're now, you know, past the five season mark, like we're, we're, we're hitting strides in the NWSL, but it has this very community feel to it. And like everyone sort of, at least when I came in, it felt like everyone was super lovey-dovey with each other on social media. Like there wasn't a lot of like, um, trying to like throw shade at each other. Like everyone was just trying to be nice to each other. And for me and, and speaking to one of my other counterparts and another team, we kind of talked about how that kind of annoyed us in, in some ways, because you want to build rivalries. You don't want everybody to love each other and everybody to be a fan of every team, which is what happens a lot in the NWSL right now, because people follow players a lot instead of clubs. Like they'll follow the U.S. Women's National Team players to wherever they go, which is why you have a lot of overlap um, in, in the fandoms there. But we both talked about how we're trying more and more to steer away from like being so nicey nice to other teams on social media because you you want people to be a diehard for your team and for your team only. And so that's been an interesting transition that we've kind of slowly been making on the Thorn side that's really different from the Timber side where we have, you know, a massively established um rivalry with the Seattle Sounders and with the Vancouver Whitecaps. Like there's no and and I mean honestly with a bunch of other teams in the league, there's no question about those rivalries and kind of the snarkiness is is able to come out a little bit more on the timber side than on the thorn side. But I feel like we're we're making strides in, in building those rivalries on the on the women's side of the game. Absolutely. 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with the the sentiment, or at least it's the same for the WNBA, that the fan base, despite the NBA having obviously a massive following and very passionate fan base, our Lynx fans are so much more passionate and engaged when it comes to our digital and social. Like, it, it's amazing to me how much they yeah. care about the game. Um, and yeah, from a, from a representation standpoint, I completely agree that there is a lack of media coverage. There is a lack of understanding and promotion of the game compared to the men's game. And uh, especially with how great these athletes are, um, I think we're trending in the right direction, but we're still so far behind where we should be in terms of all coverage for women's sports um, that I think digital and social is actually going to be essential to, to building that going forward. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like we're the, you know, we're often the only ones telling our story on the Thorn side. And, you know, yep. I mean, we obviously want it to, we want more coverage, but at the same time, that's what's kind of cool about the Thorn side of things for me is that we really are the, we have such ownership over how people see our club, which is, yep. and, and our players. And that's really, that's, that's really unique and special um, on, on that side of things. For sure. So Kayla, um, obviously you came in to the Timbers and Thorns organization, um, trying to make some noise on digital. And I'm just wondering, like, did you have any pushback from anybody who was kind of used to the old quote unquote ways, or I'm just interested to how, if that happened and how you dealt with that? Yeah. I mean, when you come in and you're making such a big change on such a forward facing, you know, on digital, on social, where it's like you know it's direct to the fans there's always going to be some people that at least are a little bit unsure about like what's going on and and a little bit wary I didn't and I didn't get really any like major pushback partially I think because when I came into it I was really clear in all my interviews they flew me in to kind of meet with everybody and I just I tried to make it really clear that if I was going to come in and I was going to do this and we're going to do it right I needed to have like full freedom to kind of you know, mold things the way that I felt was, was the, you know, the right voice and the right strategy. And honestly, like, I feel so lucky that I had the buy-in from, you know, literally from ownership, like top down, I had the buy-in from everybody as far as shaping the voice and, and changing how things were. There was, I mean, honestly, there, there was a little bit of pushback in the beginning from fans when we um, changed how we did our live tweeting strategy prior to me coming in, they kind of tweeted like every single play, you know, mi almost minute to minute updates. And the days of that, you know, are, at least in my opinion, are, are long gone when it comes to most sports. And so there was kind of some, some of the fans were like, what, like, we're not getting, you know, an update every five minutes of the game, we, we kind of moved to major moments. And other than that, in the beginning, that there wasn't, there really wasn't a lot internally or externally. People were just, I think people were excited to see the team finally have a voice and to see the team really show some personality on social media. So for the most part, it was, it was pretty, you know, largely embraced. Um, and when I did deal with pushback, you know, I kind of would remind people like, hey, like you brought me here to change things. And listen, if it, you know, let's just try things out. And if it doesn't work, then we can regroup and talk about it. But we're, we're not going to be able to make change here if we don't try some stuff. And largely everything has gone really, really smoothly in that transition. Um, you know, it was definitely a little scary, like taking over the reins for a brand that is so, it has such a passionate fan base and, and is kind of a, um, 
you know, second generation MLS teams. There's a lot of eyeballs on it, but it's honestly gone super smoothly so far. Yeah, you're killing it. Um, so with that, you know, in the amount of seasons that you've been there, how does the strategy change on a season to season basis? Is it something you go in and review with leadership during the off season in terms of a change in strategy, tone and voice? Does it go along with player transactions? I know some organizations when it comes to digital and social try to be an extension of player personalities. And so obviously that's adjusted when certain players leave um how do you go about thinking about the strategies changing um and, and are there discussions to be had prior to every season or or is it more so an internal marketing team coming together to establish a campaign and voice and tone yeah so um you know, that's a great question i could probably talk for hours about our strategy uh but yeah, I mean, I get so like I said, I came in halfway through the season in 2017. So this year is my second full season. Um, so 2017 was kind of a lot of tinkering, trying things out, you know, seeing what voice really fit and what worked. I feel like 2018 for us, you know, leading into it, we did we had a lot of I had a lot of meetings with my boss and I'm under the marketing umbrella um, at, you know, at the at the club. And so we do have a lot of We've got, you know, marketing, we've got our video team, we've got our creative department, and we all definitely work together as far as the look and feel of all of our digital assets for each season. When it comes to the voice, um, just because, you know, we are we spent basically the last year and a half creating it and then refining it, that's not really going to change that much, I don't think. I think we don't really, um, our strategy isn't really built on on the players as far as our voice goes. It's definitely much more about representing the community and the club, which makes my life a lot easier because once we have the voice established, it's just all about maintaining the consistency. Um, and the the biggest thing heading into, for, so for us heading into 2019 and heading into my second full season was, okay, what can we do from the content side to step up even more from what we did last year? And a lot of that does come with, you know, needing the need to add more resources, add more bodies. Um, Cause right now I'm, I'm the only person that runs um, like I'm the only full-time social media person. And we also actually have a third team uh, in the USL, which is kind of like for people that don't know, it's sort of like having a minor league baseball team. Um, but they're, they're the Timbers two or T2 for short. My, my boss who does um, a lot of the marketing side of things, he handles a lot of the T2 content because it's just, I don't have the bandwidth to, to be able to, to do a lot of that. So my main focus is Timbers and Thorns, but ahead of this season, you know, we had a lot of lofty goals for on the content creation side of wanting to do more kind of social specific things instead of just relying on our video team, our dot-com team, our creative team to come up with content. We wanted to do a lot more within our department. And so that's, that's kind of like, that was our big goal for this year when we talked about, when we got together beforehand and talked about things. So as far as the voice and, and the strategy goes, that's kind of largely stayed the same. It's more about how do we just keep making our content better? How do we serve our, you know, how do we serve our fans better? And how do we, um, and, and also at times, how do we kind of assert ourselves in the digital space a little bit more? How do we find more of those pockets to be a little bit snarky or throw some shade um, or have, you know, a zinger or whatever, but obviously not overdoing it. Because I think sometimes brands go a little bit too far with that stuff. So there's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of meetings that, that go into it um, and into evolving our, our strategy when it comes to the content creation side of things. Great. Yeah, I think so. My question is kind of a two for one. Um, 
So obviously you picked up your life and moved for a job that, you know, was a little scary and you didn't know. Uh, I think we've we've all done that. Um, so just my first question is, what do you give? What advice would you give people that are considering that um, leap of faith? And the second question is just advice in general, people trying to get into the industry or people that are in the industry already um, and want to be better at their jobs. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was definitely scary. Uh, you know, it was the second time I've kind of made that jump to a new city, a new place. The first time, you know, after college didn't feel for me, didn't feel as scary just because I was ready to get out of the East Coast. I was ready to kind of start building my life as an adult. And so that that jump felt definitely way less scary. But taking that leap of faith at, you know, the age of 28, going to a city that I didn't really know anybody, um, it, it was scary, but at the same time, it, it was kind of cool because it really did allow me to just dive into the job, like, you know, but with both feet. I, my focus that first year, yeah, obviously I made, I tried to make friends and all of that, but it, it almost in a way like allowed me to focus a lot more on the job and what I was doing and, and doing the best that I could because I, um, you know, wasn't doing much outside of it as far as like, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know anybody. Um, so you know, advice for doing that. It's, I, I did, I spent a really long time. I had a lot of conversations with, um, with the people within the club, both when they flew me up here and then afterwards. And I, I spent a good, after the, they made the offer, I spent a good week really thinking about it and really thinking about what are my personal goals. And at that time for me, I wanted to advance my career in, on the social media side I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to be able to learn about other departments because at Fox Sports, like I was very much in that digital realm and I didn't do a lot. I didn't learn a lot about on the sales side, uh, the sponsorship side, the PR side. There there were aspects of kind of the, the sports space and the digital space that I also was really interested in learning about. And so I kind of I saw this as an opportunity to not only advance my my skills in what I was already good at, but to learn a lot of new things. And so I weighed that pretty heavily in my decision to make the move because I, I saw this as, as a chance to broaden my horizons, both as a, you know, as a human being and, and adjusting to a big life change, um, but also just as a, as an employee and, you know, and someone in, in the sports industry being able to, to learn more and, and be even better for, you know, for, for going forward in, in what I do. So that, I guess that's, the part one and then part two remind me again what part two was just general advice to people uh trying to get into this uh industry okay yeah uh so it's i mean it's definitely not easy because i think all these jobs are are pretty coveted you know everyone wants to work for their their favorite sports team a lot of people want to work in sports and social media um so it's definitely not not a super easy thing to get into, but the best advice that I've always given, and I've, I've spoken on a couple panels recently to some college students that have asked the same thing. And the biggest thing for me is, is, and I know this, like, I'm sure everybody says this, but it's internships. If you can get, get yourself, get a foot in the door with a team, even if it's not, you know, a, an NBA, an MLS, a NFL team, even if it's a, like the, the Portland pickles, like a lower level kind of team, um, Wait, is that a real pickles. team? Yes, pickles. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Portland Pickles. Yeah, they're a real team. There's the, there's the Portland Pickles and the Hillsboro Hawks. Um, yes. Yeah. 
I yeah, need some Portland I, pickle. No, here. it's Somebody amazing. It, seriously, it literally, no. Their their mascot, the Portland pickle. Portland it's a big pickle. Mascot, his name is Dylan. He's Dylan. Let's it's a go. <laughs> when you come Shout see Scal, we that. should go to a game. Scal, yeah, no, get us some front row Portland pickle. Portland <laughs> pickle so, pickle. I've only I've only been to one game, but it was so much fun. Like, oh, it was it was great. Anyway, so but <laughs> shout yeah. out Portland pickles. <laughs> Getting getting in the door at a team at any level, it for you know I think is getting that hands on experience because I'm you know I'm sure it's the same with you guys. You can we can always use extra hands, and if you're you know a go getter and you you are obviously competent and good at what you do, you're gonna be in in at least for us in our internships. Like man, you can, I you know I had my intern last year sending tweets, creating content, cutting video, making graphics. Like it was. You can never me. I can never have too many people, you know, helping me out on on the social side of things. Um, and then one other kind of piece of advice in general, I think, in in any industry, but something that I didn't certainly didn't learn in college and didn't really know about until I started looking at when we had like three hundred applicants for our internship last year, and I had to sift through all of those. Something that's super important uh, are cover letters, and I know everybody hates writing them. But for me, when I'm hired, like looking to hire an intern, if you can sell yourself to me in your cover letter, then like if I can see your personality, that's how you're going to stand out. And I think that that goes across most, at least most things in the sports industry. Like if I your resume, I'm kind of like checking the boxes. I'm like, okay, you've got this experience that great. I spend two minutes on the resume. I'll spend, you know, five, 10 minutes reading through your cover letter, going through your social media and seeing like if you're a good fit for for what we're doing. So I've, I don't know, I found like, I, I certainly didn't learn how to write a cover letter in school. Um, and I've tried to encourage the, all the students I've talked to lately, like make sure you know how to, how to sell yourself. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, um, you know, talking yourself up a bit in a cover letter, but I, at least for me in, in, the, in our process and hiring people um, that has been super crucial in, in at least weeding out, you know, 30 people from 300 to kind of cut the process down. That's great advice. That is indeed. In fact, yeah. I had Amara write a cover letter when she uh, wanted to be Applied a co-host. Applied for this podcast, and, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was one love, of one applicants, but... I would love to see that cover letter, Amara. Yeah, was, I just uh, said, like, former, my voice... Was, <laughs> was former professional ballerina in it? Because... Oh, gosh, it should no. Be. I, oh, I mainly just... elaborate. <laughs> I mainly just talked about how soothing and beautiful my voice is. That's pretty much Perfect. the cover letter. Yeah. Was it an yeah, audio that, cover letter? Yeah, it was. She had to sing the team infographic sponsorship, and that's when I team knew. Team infographics. In Stop it. Oh, we're going to. Kayla we have a guest on, Laura. please. <laughs> Sorry, we're friends. Kayla knows me. It's fine. It's. What fine. does that mean for? I'm your friend too. I don't want to listen to your voice. That's a good point. Shout out to your Kayla. even your even her dog doesn't want to listen to your voice. Livia <laughs> loves hear, me. Can, can you hear the barking? Yes. Yeah, of course. Oh my God. She hates, they're, hates it's not even Amara's that, voice. They're, they're not even close to me. Like, I don't know how you're hearing that right now. The phone is picking. Actually, I think that's my roommate's dog. I think that's Timothy. Timothy, um, bro. It's social on the sidelines. Calm Please. down. We are a dog-friendly podcast. It's for the content. Kayla, actually, thank you Timothy, so much. Yeah, Timothy loves phones. Um, I, he's kind of my social media assistant sometimes when he runs away with my phone in his mouth. So he just wants to be involved, you know? He wants to get his he's paws a on He's a cutie. 
I feel bad. Cat, uh, Shabazz's cat is a psycho, so he has no reason to talk. Oh, you're a cat person, Shabazz? That's, I wouldn't have agreed I to don't... come on this if I had known that. Yikes! Say, just because I have a cat doesn't mean I'm a cat person. I have a wife that adores cats, which forces me to live with a roommate that's a cat. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for coming on our podcast, Kayla. I'm happy that you finally worked out. I know. I'm sorry for the... Uh, Timothy really is not happy with the ending of this year. So. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's a disaster. But thanks for having, thanks for having me, you guys. Um, I'm sorry for some of the uh, technical issues. It was probably my fault. All good. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening to today's episode, the 21st episode of uh, Social on the Sidelines, presented by Front Office Sports, with episodes brought to you by who, Amara Baptist? Team Infographics. Let's go. Uh, they bring all the <laughs> fire to your feeds, and we need you to follow them at, at where? Team Infographs on the Twitter.com. And teaminfographics.com on the interwebs. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you soon. The next episode will be our live episode at the Front Office Sports Digital Media Huddle, and it'll be posted at a later date. But until then, uh, let us know if you have any questions, concerns, or comments like Amara needs to watch better TV shows. Okay. Um, thanks.